0: So let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to welcome Will. Father, thank you so much for bringing Will with, to us today. We ask your anointing upon him, God. Uh, loosen his uh, tongue to speak and loosen our ears to hear whatever you have to say to us today. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's welcome Will. You're good. You, uh, uh are you on? Let's see. Uh, I don't know. You red? Oh, no, you bottom. need to be red. You're on, bro. Thank you, Pastor Vaughn. It's a privilege to be here. May I still yeah, this yours. before you? Oh. Do you want me to speak up here? Or do whatever you want to do. You can want talk want up there with the camera.
1: wherever whatever you want to do.
0: Okay. I'm a personal guy. I like to touch. People. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to touch. I like to touch people. Um, I like to hug people. How are you? I'm a personal guy. So when I'm far away, I feel like I can't touch people. So I've got my timer. Uh, pastor Vaughn said that I've got a good friend coming behind me and I'll save you from him. So I've got two hours. I think he said, uh, but no, he's, he's great. Rob is great. Um, uh, he's not here yet, so I can say that about him, but, um, I'm privileged to be before you. It's been a great week for me. It's been a busy week, uh, but it's been good. Um, When Pastor told me about the conference, uh, he sent me an email and said, "Yeah, February 9th and 10th are the dates." I said, "Great, I'll lock it on my calendar." And and then I was with Pastor Justice a few weeks ago as we were doing some things here. He said, "Are you going to be here?" And I said, "Yeah, it's just in a couple weeks, right?" He's like, "No, it's in a few weeks." I'm like. Few weeks, what do you mean? It's the ninth or the tenth of February, right? They were like, No, him and Pastor Mike were like no. I said, You sure about that? I'm like, It's in my account. Listen, my calendar is a year in advance. Here it is, my friend. They're like, no, so we had to figure it out. And he's like, It's on the twenty-seventh. I'm like, that's our annual board meeting day. So we just finished our annual board meeting for our ministry uh this year for two thousand fifteen and that was great and I rushed over to take our board member to the airport and rushed over here to come back. So I'm in a car like praying like Lord Jesus help me with the word. I know you gave it to me. So today I'm just gonna share my heart guys. Um as uh Pastor uh, Vaughn said uh, I'm an evangelist, a missionary evangelist. I travel uh Rob and I have similar ministries and we're just a little different but Obviously, in color and in height, um, but uh, we have we have a similar ministry. And um, my my heart is two things. My heart is is for the church, uh, the body of Christ, and my heart is for the people outside of the church, the lost. Um, and I, I think that that's God's heart, which in essence, I I believe that's your heart. But we all function differently. Uh, We have different gifts, different callings, different abilities. So we're all working toward the same goal, but we're functioning different and getting there. Amen. Uh, So today I'm just going to share a little bit about what he's asked me to speak on abounding. Uh, I love that word. It's it's such a powerful word. Uh, my my scripture for the year that Jesus Christ gave me through the word and we were praying and fasting in January, kind of an annual thing that we do and a lot of churches do. So we come together. That scripture was uh, John 15, abiding in Christ. Um, and it's just a great scripture. It blesses my heart every time I look at it. And God's just reminded me this year, man, if you're in Christ, you can do nothing without him. It's just impossible to, to receive the proper nutrients and, and, and spiritual food and all those things if we separate ourselves from Christ. So John 15 has kind of been my memory verse for the year. And I'm just going through it line by line every day and just trying to memorize uh, John 15 this year. So I'm really excited um, to tell you a little bit about me. My lovely wife is here. Uh, she's not uh, a minority today. Uh, she stands in the crowd, um, but I want her to stand uh, Jennifer, can you please stand for me um, Jennifer stand please yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that 's my wife so thank you uh, I, I men if you go anywhere and you have a wife and you 're speaking don 't forget to do what I just did because if you do. There's a thing that most of you probably have in your house, and it's called a couch. Uh, and, and You'll find that being your place of, of, of rest. So uh, let's just go to, to the Lord in prayer. I know he's already prayed, but I love prayer. Um, and just ask for the Lord uh, as his presence is already here. But just ask him to speak to us within this context in this session uh, about what he's asking us to do. Uh, if James says not only be hearers of the word but also doers. so we want to pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to continue to do what he's already doing and speak to our hearts about what does it mean to abound in love. Uh, so, Father, we are grateful to meet. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this local body here at Liberty uh, for the work that you're calling them to in this O'Fallon community area and, and those beyond. Father, I thank you for their commitment today to come and, and grow in, in the word and in deed. And I pray, Lord, that as your spirit is already here, that you would uh, minister to our hearts in a very specific yet tangible way. God, that you would be glorified through the application of our lives that we would get from this word today. So we are excited. We thank you. God, we give you the permission to come and wreck us. Tear us apart because you're the potter and we're the clay because we know that you can put us back together to form what you would have us to be. So, Lord, we thank you today and we invite your presence and we ask in Jesus name. Amen. So I want to tell you a little bit about, uh, just... Kind of some things early on. Uh, Hannah, a good friend. It's so great to see her, pastor's daughter. Uh, we were involved in this thing called the Ferguson response, and many of you may may know about that. I see some similar faces. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jonathan Tremaine, he goes by JT. The Lord just gave him this burden to come to Ferguson, uproot his family for thirty days or forty days, and 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 the Lord just miraculously provided. That budget was about fifty thousand dollars, and I've never seen money raised that fast. So we know it was the Lord. So Jonathan. And I met one day, and just it was just a divine connection. Literally, we met one day uh, after a text message that we received from a friend of ours, a mutual friend in Indianapolis. And uh, the next day, we were walking into a meeting with who? Rob Welch. And all of a sudden, we bump into each other and it's this other it's this other black guy and i'm like okay there's not many of you coming around here what's your name brother and he said you know i'm jt he says are you i said my name is will and he looked at me i looked at him he looked at me i looked at him i said did you receive are you the will and we just looked at each other like stop it <laughs> and it was just this god ordained moment that we met um but in Ferguson, you know, God really challenged me uh, and my wife, and I'm sure those who had a, a, a part in that, God really challenged me in this, in this concept of love. He really did. He challenged me in this concept of love because with all of the unrest and the things that were going on in Ferguson, you know, some people were asking me, you know, how is it, you know, as an African-American, I grew up in a city uh, that most of you drive past going toward Illinois and you don't stop. It's called East St. Louis, Illinois. Um, I grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois, which was 10 times worse than Ferguson probably ever was and or would be from a historical standpoint. Um, and people would ask me, you know, during this time, how, how are things, you know, tell me about it. You know, you've got some inside information and, and I, and and this is one of the things that I share with people, you know, uh, one, as much as we don't want to admit it, can I be honest? Okay. Cause I'm an honest guy anyway. Uh, as much as we don't want to admit it, all of us have some form or sort of prejudice, within us it's because it was either uh, caught by you saw it by your parents or some of us to the extent it was taught unfortunately and all of us have some sort of prejudice uh whether that be culturally uh, uh racially whatever it would be we have some kind of prejudice and I hear a lot of people that were talking to me and interacting with me about Ferguson and this is probably the thing that I just made as my headline I said to them I said, uh, if you could put yourself in their situation, uh, not as a person, but as a sinner, you're the same person. Your sin just manifests differently. And as I tell people that, they're like, whoa. And I, and I, I see that because God's really given me this perspective on basically, Jesus, if I could say this, I'm going to step out of the sacred place. If I could say, Jesus has to love the hell out of you. And, 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 and today, today, as we talk about love, that's what God did to me in my life. He loved me out of a place called hell. He's loving me out of he's loving all the things of my fleshly nature that 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 are pulling on me trying to get me to come back to serve the devil and take me to that place of eternal separation and judgment called hell. He's loving me to that extent and he's doing the same thing in you guys. So when we talk about this this abounding in love, you know, I was going over this text and it was just amazing to see the context of first Thessalonians uh, chapter three. Because Paul had such a desire to be with these new believers in Thessalonica. He had such a a drive, and it drove him him to such an extent, brothers and sisters, that he he mentions in this text that he prayed day and night. And I thought about that, and I said, man, such a heart that the apostle had. Such Such a heart of tenderness and love that... He had, he had understood as one of the worst sinners, he called himself a chief sinner. He had understood that God basically loved the hell out of him and that he was to give that back. So as we turn to this text, the, the verse for today in this session is uh, verse 12 out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's, and may the Lord make you... Increase and abound in love to one another and to all. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. Love. Love is the core of the gospel. You know, today the world uh, paints this different portrait of, of God and being love. You hear people say, Oh God is love. God is love. God is love. You know, I talk to a lot of people that deal with their fleshly nature in the arena of homosexuality. And I love engaging people. Doesn't matter who you are or how you are. I love engaging people because I believe God loves to engage people. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is about God going after people. It's about God's redemptive plan of love going after his people who are constantly running away from him because of our sinful desires. So I remember one day I was talking to a a, a friend of mine and I was sharing with this person who was dealing with this area of homosexuality. Just very blatant. And he knows that i doesn't he knows that i don't judge him and 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 I love him, I care for him, we joke, we talk, but he knows I have boundaries in that regard of who I am and who I believe he can be and who God has really called him to be and I remember one day I was talking uh, to him, and it really helped me in the context of being able to share with with people that deal with some of these things and I remember I was talking to him one day, and we just had a great conversation well not knowing that God was preparing my heart of love that one day I would be in an airport with a guy who, who was married, who had adopted some kids and him and his significant other, uh, were going to a church and we were in this airport and we were talking and I usually don't tell people who I am or what I do. Or, you know, most of the time you say, Oh, well, what do you do? That, that's the grand question. I almost hate because you'll be talking to people and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I do this and then So what do you do? And sometimes I'm in a conversation and I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. But this particular time I was talking to this person and and he was telling me about the, the struggle that he had been having and how he was dealing with homosexuality and how he's dealt with it. Even when he was kidding, he began to go on and say, you know, I was created this way. I was I was born this way. And, and I just really listened to him. I, I, it seemed like he was venting and he was he was just getting some stuff off of his chest. So I listened to him and he said, so what do you think? I said, you know what, my friend, man, I was born that way too. And he looked at me and he said, really? I said, no, 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 don't get the wrong impression. But I said, I was born that way too, man. He said, wow, tell me more about it. I said, you know what? I was born into sin and that's why Jesus told me I had to be born again. I said, His love has brought me out of the former life that I live that was in sin. I said, His love has guided me into this all-consuming relationship to experience his love and be able to share his love with other people. I said, My friend, Jesus Christ died for the way that you're living. I said, there's I said, listen, you're not about you're abounding in homosexuality, but in all honesty, you're really bound in it. I said, But Jesus came to set you free that you may abound in him and not be bounded up in what you're in. So today, if I were to even title this message, I would call it love, not bound, but abounding. So as I read this, I begin to think about something. And I remember one day I was making a cake. I love cakes. My wife will tell you I'm only thin because I'm living off marginal, playing professional basketball for some years and always working out. I'm living off marginal. My metabolism is slowing um, okay. But I remember one day I was baking a cake, man. I love yellow cake with chocolate ice. And then I was baking this cake and, and I forgot to add a key ingredient. I forgot to add the eggs. <laughs> While I was baking this cake, I, I remember I said, oh my goodness, I forgot to put in the egg. Now, you see, the reason why I mention this is because when you bake a cake or anything in the the aspect of baking, and we probably got some really good breakers here, but when you miss the egg in an ingredient, an egg functions as the binding ingredient. In a cake, an egg can produce moisture. It produces the moisture and the fluffiness of the cake, yet even the rising of that cake. And I, I, I baked this cake, and man, it came out flat as a cardboard. And I was mad because I missed my egg and I still ate it (laughs) because I didn't want to waste it. But you see, like an egg for the Christian, love is the key ingredient in our faith. Love is the very thing that binds us and knits us together intricately how God has created us from the beginning to love him, to worship him and to love others. And as we get in this text, we see here that Paul is asking them one, pretty much one simple thing and his request is, listen, that you may abound in love and that your love may lead you to love one another and everyone. So today, if we can just talk about a couple of these things, uh, I love the gospel message, brothers and sisters, is because if you ever forget the cross, then you forget who you are. I love when churches put a cross up in in, in their sanctuaries because, you know, some people wear the cross just like some people uh, talk about love and how God is love, but they don't have any understanding of the true essence of love. And my mother used to tell me as a kid, you can't really love anybody unless you know how much God loves you. I never understood what she meant until I got married. So for all you single people, (laughs) search what love is. But as we look in this text, I see the simple gospel outlined in this text. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He was resurrected. He defeated the power of sin and death. Therefore, if man places the faith in Jesus Christ, we can have life in him, eternal life. The gospel is a message that, that, that captivates the love of God and who He is. And this same message should be in our hearts. Why? Because we have experienced it, we're experiencing it, and we will experience it. I always tell people, being saved is not just praying a prayer or getting baptized. Being saved is you pray the prayer of commitment to allow God through the Holy Spirit to regenerate your heart. But you're constantly being saved. You're being sanctified. And when Jesus comes back to get us, then you finally will complete that process of being saved. So I always tell people, I got some folk in here. I hear somebody over here saying hallelujah. I love that. So when we look at the gospel and we look at this text about Paul talking to the Thessalonian Christians and he tells them to abound in love, to increase in love. We can't forget the the cross reference of Romans 5 and 8 that says, but God and his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died on the cross. You see, we can never forget the cross. The cross is to be the center portion of our life. When I think about the blood of Jesus, when I think about how he cleansed me, when I think about how there's no more condemnation for me, I cry and I say, Lord, I thank you for your salvation. Lord, I thank you for the deliverance because I remember how I used to be. I remember the lust and and the addictions that I used to have. I remember the potter's, sailor's mouth I used to have. But when I think about what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross. That blood that he shed on the cross. He stood in my gap. He stood in your gap. And he was the substitutionary atonement for the world. John 3, 16, we love that scripture because it's like the primary scripture of the Christian faith. We teach our little kids about it as they grow older. We teach them about it in Sunday school and middle school and all those things, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But I think about that scripture and every time I see God in the text, I see him giving something. I see him giving himself when I think about the, the the parable that Jesus told of the good Samaritan, I see the man helping the other man on the side of the road. He gave something to him. He gave him his time, his 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 willing. He gave him his resources when he left him in modern day. When he left the man in a hotel to to get some to get some rest, he said he told the the hotel guest he basically told him, listen, whatever you charge him, whatever it takes to get him back to where it needs to be, just charge it to my account. He gave something. You see, you can't mention love without the aspect of giving. You can't talk about love without the aspect, the aspect of sacrificing something. I love what Paul, what uh, Samuel in the Old Testament, the prophet Samuel and Saul had this, 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 this little disagreement when Sam, Saul was supposed to go and kill all the Amalekites. And he kept some things for himself and Samuel comes back in his midst and he says, you know, Saul said, Oh, Samuel prophet, bless you, man of God. I, I did everything. And Samuel said, well, what's this bleeding I hear in my ears? Saul said to him, Oh, well, you know, I just kept the They persuaded me. They did all this. But it, it, what Samuel said was so key. He said to Saul later on in that text, he said, Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. And I began to meditate on that text one day, and I understood something. That God called me to a life of obedience. When the Bible says, and I think it's 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, that that we were bought with the price. God bought us. He had to give something, and that was his life. You see, when you talk about sacrifice in our context, I remember one day I was asking the Lord about this scripture. And I had to make a big decision in order to keep playing professional basketball, to have a life of wealth and a a medium salary of maybe a hundred grand or more a year. I had NBA contracts that I was getting ready to negotiate with two NBA teams. And God was calling me to the ministry. And I said, God, God, I had a pity party with God. Oh, God. I had a pity party with them. God, please, I'll, I'll preach to people on my team. They need Jesus. Please, I'll do it. Just, just bless me. And I was this close to make it into the doors of the NBA. This close. And I said, God, what is this? God said, be obedient. I said, God, I'm going to be obedient. But I can be obedient while I'm still doing that. And God said this to me, the Holy Spirit generally just spoke to me and said, obedience is better than sacrifice. I said, what does that mean? (laughs) This is what God spoke to me. When Saul sacrificed or thought he sacrificed, he didn't understand that I had already taken away the whole, I had already given him victory of the whole land. It was not Saul's to sacrifice. God reminded me, you were bought with a price. You're not your own to sacrifice. Therefore, I must live in obedience to Him. One of my favorite mentors, I love him to death. I got a chance to meet him, Charles Stanley. He said to me one day on the radio. He didn't say this in person. But he said to me one day, I did, I met him in November and and it was crazy how we met him. I'll I'll tell you the story afterwards. But Charles Stanley lives by this phrase and I said, you know what, God, I'm going to live by that. It's a cliche. It's not the word. It aligns with the principle. But Charles Stanley lives by this phrase and he says this, "Obey, obey God and leave all the consequences up to him. Think about that. What is God asking you to do? Who's God asking you to love? Where's God asking you to go? Don't think you can sacrifice. Obey him and leave all the consequences left up to him. So, as I was looking at this scripture, I was just seeing the gospel. And I was seeing Paul basically give this purpose. His purpose in writing this particular letter and for this chapter is basically this. That the Christians in Thessalonica would be established and that they would be encouraged in their faith. But it's the same thing for us. He starts off in this. And basically the question that I want to ask you today as a church, as a body of believers, is where does love begin? Obviously, we know with God. But within this local context, where does love begin? Well, the first thing I want to point out to you that Paul says, he says that the Lord may make you. You. As an individual. You see, what I love about churches is we can look good together, but man, we're at a church and I love, I like in churches, the hospitals, because sometimes crazy homes, because you got people in the church that are crazy. <laughs> you got people in the church that are sick. And that's why we're here, because we know that the doctor is here. Jesus Christ is the author, the finisher of our faith, the beginning and the end, the healer, the alpha and omega. He's here. His presence is here. When we come to community together, Jesus Christ meets us here. That's why you have sick people coming to the hospital. You see, there is no perfect church. But, you know, I love what the Bible says, because when you have love, it covers the multitude of sins. By God's love, we see that already in the text, in the scripture, in the gospels, that by his love, it covers the multitudes of our sins and the sins of the world. But you see, as Paul talks here to the people in the question that I pose to you, where does love begin? It begins first with you personally. It begins with your heart. It begins with you allowing God to deal with the issues. And the messed up stuff in your heart, the prejudices, the cancer that, that's activating things and making you grow bitterness and making you go jealous and not love people the way the Bible, the authority of God's word would call us to love people. You see, this word that he uses is agape and some of us know this word. We study, we know the agape. It's the selfless love. It's this love that looks out for the interests of others. It's a, it's a giving love of yourself. He talks about this agape love. Well, the first place love must begin is you. But secondly, I want I want you to look at something kind of in a more micro aspect. I want you to look at the body. You as a church. And listen to what he says here. He says, not only that in the Lord may make you increase and abound, which is a plural word in love, but he also says to one another. You make up the one another's. But you see, just as I was saying earlier, you can't know how to love anybody until you first deal with yourself. You can't express the love towards someone else if you haven't experienced the true revelatory love of God in your own heart. Some of the most, some of the most people, there's a thing in counseling when you counsel people, hurt people hurt people. When you've got some hurt, when you've got some junk, when you've got some stuff that you got to allow God to deal with, you hurt other people. And in essence, you hurt that person to the point that they're going to hurt somebody else and it becomes a chain reaction. That's why it's uni- a lack of unity in the church. That's why it's division within the churches is because you got hurt people hurting other people. We've got to look at ourselves in context as the body. I love the scripture in John. Chapter 13, it says this, verse 34 and 35, it says that Jesus is talking, and whenever Jesus is talking, you better listen. Whenever the Bible got blood in it, which I call red, you got to listen to it. You got to listen to the whole book, but when Jesus is talking, you got to really listen. And he says this, he says, a new commandment, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you. Who is you? Somebody say you. That's me and you. He says that you, a new commandment. Yeah, he was talking to his disciples. We understand that. But in the context of the day, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Then he goes on and says, you also are to love one another. So he almost says it twice. Whenever the Bible says something twice, you really, really, really got to listen. But he goes on in the next verse and he says this, by this, by this, somebody say, by this, by this, by this he's talking about love. You thought I was going to fall. By this he's talking about the love, the agape love, the love of Jesus Christ. By this, the love of which I have loved you. By this, the love that which me, I call you a friend now. I don't no longer call you my slave. I'm no longer your master. By this love, I gave myself for you. By this love, I want you to share that love with one another. Jesus goes on to say, by this, all people will know that you are my Disciples. If I could if I could just if I could just get a little bit more, because I know we got some theologians, Pastor Mike. I went in this office at one time and I seen all the books, and I was like, dude, teach me. I'll follow you, bro. But if you think about this, he says. People will know that you are my disciples. If we can just break the disciple down a little bit, we can just make it even simpler. People will know that you are my followers. Or if you really want to break it down in the Jewish context, this word is called Talmud or Talmudin. And if you think about that, we kind of lose some rendering today in a disciple because Jesus' disciples in a Jewish context, let me tell you, discipleship was rigorous. Wasn't it, Pastor Mike? It was rigorous. People would remember the Torah. They could, they, were, they could recite by, 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 by oral, verbatim, the Torah. They could recite a book in the Torah by, by memory. They would walk along their journeys and be reciting and quoting the Torah. How many of us have the love of God in our heart to such an extent that when we're driving, we're quoting scriptures. While we're at our jobs, we're quoting scriptures. While we're cleaning the dishes, we're quoting scriptures. Hmm. That touched me too. You see, when Jesus talks about this love, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Paul goes on to say in that same text, he says, these are the two words I'm going to emphasize on here as I get ready to wrap this up. He says that you may increase and abound. You know, as a Christian, we're always called to be growing. I tell people, church, listen, if you're in Christ and you're stagnant, you're not, you're falling backwards. There's no such thing as staying still. Why? Because you got a world that is pulling on you. you got fleshly nature that is wanting to claim you property again. So if you're staying stagnant in Christ, listen, you're going backwards. You're either going forward or you're moving backwards. And I've made up my mind that I'm going to press forward. And the church has to make up their mind that we're going to press forward, that we're going to increase. Love covers the multitudes of sin. I've seen people literally be loved to death, almost to the extent of death, where it just breaks them. When, when, when you love people, the Bible says in Romans that you it's like when you love them with a genuine love of God, it's almost like you heap codes of fire upon people's heads. When somebody does something to you, when Jesus says, bless them that persecute you, pray for those who despitefully use you, that's love on the inside of your heart. Because our fleshly nature doesn't want to do that. We want to react. But Jesus calls us to respond. You see, there's a difference between reaction and response. Chemicals, you mix them together, you get a reaction. But what what chemists want is they don't want the reaction. They want to work to the point that it don't just react. They want to work to the point that they can get a response and it can be sustaining. You see, when we're increasing in our love, when we're increasing in our devotion to God, when we're increasing in our brotherly love toward our brothers and our sisters, then, then, We can do what Paul says in here. First, you got to love one another. And as a result of that. That love overflows in you. I wish I, I wish I almost had a pitcher of water. If you can just picture this, I usually use this illustration when you increase in a pound of love. That love increases really talks about an overflow and overflow. That's why it tells us in uh, Ephesians five and eighteen, be filled continuously, be filled with the God's love and God's spirit. If I can have a picture up here and put a glass of water and fill it to the brim, if I would fill this glass of water to the brim and put a pitcher of water right next to it, if I would put that glass in the picture you would see a visual fixation of an overflow that's the kind of love god is asking us to have who's hurt you who's misused you who's smite you don't worry about it bless them love them care for them you know why because if it's really god and they really did what you feel like they did. If you take care of it in the context of the way the word instructs us to, you'll do as the Bible was said. He calls a fire on their head. People will come to you running, run, Lord, please, you know, brother, sister, I did this in offense. Please forgive me. They'll repent. But you have to have the love of God and love the continuous hell out of people. Some of us don't think we got hell in us no more. We don't. Well, I tell people, you got a fleshly nature. It wants to claim you property. If you listen to your nature, Paul said it. If you listen to your fleshly desire, you're going to fulfill the lust of your flesh. But if you listen to your spirit, you're going to fulfill whatever one you feed. That's which one is going to win. That's what's going to win. We must increase in our love. We must increase and abound. And listen, I know Rob's going to get up here, but... And talk about evangelism, but I just got to tell you guys, if we as churches don't grow in our unity together, God won't allow us to reach those who need to be reached. He won't. Acts 2.42-47, somebody preached on that earlier, I think. I love it because it's the New Testament model of church but the people were so devoted to one another if you read romans 12 there's the word one another is in romans 12 do i think chapter 13 i don't know how many times one another as a body, we have to have have love and have common interest for one another. And by us loving one another, that shows us that we are in Christ. That shows us that we are bound in Christ. It's like if you were to sit yourself in the seat. Listen, think about loving somebody. Think about caring for somebody. Do you see the needs of your brother and your sister in the congregation? Do you see or did you hear about their light bill that's getting ready to go out? Did you hear how their kids need? Listen, don't worry about my finances. I see a need. I'm going to go meet his need and allow God to do what he can do for me. But you see, that's giving. Americans don't like to give. We want to receive all this food, all this food. You see, that's why I like fasting. I love fasting. It's a proponent of my ministry. Some of my friends, I say fast with me. They say, nope, (laughs) you fast too long. I said, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I don't say that. I say, you know what? This food is good. It's it's made for us to survive. Some of it has got some preservatives and things, but that's okay. But it's it's made for us to survive. It's made for us to have nourishment. But you see, when you talk about this component of fasting, one of my friends, I challenged him. I said, go on the fast with me uh, we're doing this fast. He said, okay. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and he said, I want to do three days of absolute fast. And I said, wow, praise God, man. And we met for prayer. He's a minister. We were meeting for prayer. And I said, we're going to meet every week for prayer. We're going to pray for your family. We're going to pray for your, your ministry. We're going to pray for the church, the church is We're going to just have a time with God. Oh, New Testament way, upper room stuff. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, I said, we're just going to meet and just entreat God. He said, come on, let's do it. So we pray and we pray, we meet together. And he tells me this story. He tells me this great story. And he said, I went on the fast. And he said, when, when I was fasting, uh, 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 I, I got so weak. It was my third day because I did an absolute. I just did three days. And I felt the Lord compelling me. And he said, my wife, I got up in one morning. And my wife had begun to uh, see me struggle. And he says, I got up. And I was like this. And I just, as he said that, he said, he just got up. And he just began to walk. And he tried to put on his pants. And he just fell back down. And as he said that, I just began to cry. I just began to cry. And I can see his eyes tearing up as he told me. And his wife said, call off for work, babe. Please just call off for work. And He said, no, no, no. God told me he was going to give me strength. And he said, it's the moment that he said that. He said he heard the Holy Spirit say, read the Bible. And he said he picked up the Bible and sat down and he started reading. And in about two minutes, he read, he read, he read. And he closed the Bible. And the Lord said, Get up. And he got up. And he said, He felt like a cloud came over him. And as soon as that happened, he took a step. And the light clicked. God said, Man, does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of my mouth. He started screaming it. Jackie, his wife, Jackie, I get it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he got it. And as he told me that story, I just begin to cry. Because what I, the reason why I cried is because, to me, fasting is just crucifying myself. Fasting is giving me a glimpse of what Christ experienced on the cross. That's it. If I can't put away my food, listen, I I love when people say, oh, social media. But when you starve your soul, David said in the Psalms, I smite my soul. I grieve my soul with fasting and praying. When you grieve your soul, your spirit becomes alive. You can hear God's direction. You can hear clearly. You can read the word and new things that just pop up off the word to you. You can be filled with the spirit. Listen, when you fast and pray. You have no other option but to draw close to God. And you experience His love. That's why I want to get close to God. That's why I don't mind putting away the plate. And my friend experienced a supernatural thing and I just cried. We just cried together. People would have came in and us, what are you guys crying about? You grown men. Why are you crying? Because Jesus, I'm telling you guys, when we started talking about that, the Holy Spirit met us. Right there. And we had no other option but to get on our knees and begin prayer. You see, church, that's what's going to bring people to the church. It's not having a Starbucks. I know so many guys. I know guys all over the country. There's some big churches, grand buildings. It's not Starbucks and Krispy Kreme that's going to bring the sinner into the building. It's the people. Sheep beget sheep. I love people This and Pastor Vine is going to call me later and say, thank you for telling my people this. Listen, sheep beget sheep. If you're not in a relationship, listen, listen, look at your influence. Look at your circle. School. You got school friends, work friends, men on the job. You got people in your influence that needs to see the love of Jesus in you. You have the very source of what it takes. But see, you can't really do that if you're not abiding. You can't do that if you're not abiding in Christ consistently with him. Yeah, we may fall. Yeah, we may have mistakes. That doesn't mean you're out of Christ. You can do as the Bible says, repent and come back. Listen, you're right there. God sees your sins. is no more. But if you're not abiding in Christ, you can't grow in love. If you're not abounding in him, there's no way you can grow in your love toward him. Once you understand the true love of God, once you have the continual encounter with God's love and God's graces and God's goodness, he'll speak to you through all kinds of forms and fashions. He'll speak to you and let you know his love, let you experience his love. Once you experience that, love demands a response. You see, people ask me, well, oh, well, 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 you know, well, you're an evangelist. You can just, you can just, you can just go up to people on the street. You just go up to people and talk to them. I said, yeah, I can. I can. that's not, that's not a gift. People say, oh, you're, that's a gift. No, it's not a gift. That's who I am. That's the function of the way God calls me to function. But you have a function too. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. Some of you have the gift of mercy. Some of you have the gift of giving. Some, of, Each and every one of you have a gift. What's your function? How are you going to function in that? Listen, because if you don't know your function, then you're in functioning. If that's even a word. It's a malfunction. There you go. If you're not functioning in your proper function, then you're malfunctioning. Think of a machine that's malfunctioning. It's doing more hurt than good. Uh Uh-oh. If a lot of people in churches would understand their function and how they work, how they move, how they be, how they act, how they think, because the Bible gives you clear example of who you are. If you want to find yourself, look at the word. It's a mirror. If you want to see yourself, look at the word. It's a mirror. It'll show you how ugly you are. It'll show you how you've been transformed into glory to glory. The word will show you. If you don't understand your function, you're actually hurting the body. You know why? Because some of you are functioning in an area. I don't even know where I'm going. Some of you are functioning in an area where you're not called to function. And that's putting more stress, more hurt, more harm on you, which in essence is allowing you to hurt other parts of the body, which you shouldn't be hurting if you would just find out your function and stay in your lane. But we got to find out what's our function. Okay, I'm back on subject. I just want to give you a couple practical examples of people. Who was abiding in love and who, who was increasing in that love. Paul was is, is an example. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul saw him on the Damascus Road, Acts chapter 9. Paul saw Jesus, heard Jesus, was transformed by Jesus, just like many of us. Some of us had a Damascus Road experience. Some of us had more soft general experience of coming to Christ. But Paul was an example of someone that was abounding in love. Paul was someone that was persecuted by Jewish legalists. His own people, his own nation. He was persecuted, yet he loved them, yet he loved them to the point that he would even die for them. I want you to see this in Romans, Romans chapter 9. Matter of fact, I would just give it to you. Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. Paul says this. Paul basically says, listen, that I want my people, which is the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews. He says, I want my people to experience salvation so much that I'm willing to give up my own. That's convicting. Because, you know, some of us as Christians look at Paul and say, well, that was Paul. That ain't me. I can't be like Paul. You're right. But God is not a respective persons. God gives the spirit without measure. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, mama. God gives the spirit without measure. The same Holy Spirit that was in Paul dwells in you and me. But you see, what I realized about Paul when he said in 2 Corinthians 4 that I'm perplexed, I'm I'm downtrodden, I'm perplexed, I'm not in despair, I'm all those things. He says I'm broken, I'm persecuted, but listen, Paul was willing to be a broken vessel. Paul was willing to be broken. That's why he said we have this treasure, this earthen treasure, this earthen vessel. Jars of clay. He said the treasure, the, the, the treasure that's inside, it's not from us, but it's the power of God. Listen, do you know you have the very power of God inside of you? Do you know that God Himself has indwelt you? You see, in the Old Testament, He was just among them. When Jesus was here, he, he, he walked among them and He was with them. But now He's in us. He's In you. Somebody say, God God is is in in me. Colossians 127 said, Jesus Christ is the hope of glory, the mystery which is now revealed, which is the gospel, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ in you. Such a conviction. Am I handling the love of God in the capacity that God would have himself demonstrate himself through me? When I look at, when, when people see me on the job, do they know that it's not me, I'm a Christian, but do they know that God is in me? Do they see something that, 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 like Jesus said, the salt in life, do they see the salt that when they're around me, that's just a conviction. When they're around me, that the wounds and the pains that they're experiencing because of my salt, it's just, just dashing it on them and it's, it's painful, but they don't know at the same time it's causing them healing. Do they see the love of God in me to that extent? Are you abiding in love? Are you abounding in love? Are you increasing in love? You know, I love to tell churches this. Because I tell a loving church, and some people have church models and church statistics and all of that. But I tell people a loving church is a growing church. I, 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 I'm honest with myself and people and pastors and leaders. I said, if, if you can look at a church and see that it's stagnant, a church isn't loving. There's something in the body that needs to be dealt with. A lot of times a pastor get a message from a Lord and preach on a sermon series about love. Usually that doesn't. You see church... Paul was that very example of love. He, he, loved, he loved the Jews so much, the people that persecuted him because God, Christ had revealed himself to him in such a way and was wanting to use him to reach them. He loved himself in such a way that I can just imagine Paul sitting and crying sometimes, saying, God, reveal yourself to them. God, awaken them. God, show yourself to them. I'm willing to give myself up that they would come to you. That's a bold statement. Another example, as I close here, another example is Joseph. Oh, how I love Joseph. Because Joseph's life is, is similar to some of ours. You see, Joseph went through 13 years of persecution because of the envy of his brothers. Some of us have dealt with envy of others envying us in our lives. Some of us have been marginalized and left out. You were the last child. Or your father didn't love you the way that he, he, you know he should have. Your mother didn't care for you. And, and, and when, isn't it funny when love isn't in the center of a house, people are dysfunctional? Isn't that funny? When the father is not present in the house, the love in the presence of an actual father that's being led by God, when that's not in a home, the home is dysfunctional. You see, I love Joseph's story is because Joseph's story is, is, is similar to a lot of us, as I said. And Joseph was persecuted for 13 years because of the envy of his brothers. But the funny thing about Joseph's story is he loved them. All that he went through. When he saw his brothers and he knew that it was them. The Bible tells us throughout Genesis that Joseph would weep he played some games with them, some mind games with them. But, but it was because he wanted them all to be present. He wanted the unity of his family back that he once had when he was a young boy. He wanted to experience the love that he once felt when he was a young boy. And the Bible tells us about Joseph. And it says that when the, uh, 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 Isaac had came back, his father and all of his brothers that his brothers, would they, they cried and wept in repentance. Sorry, Joseph. Sorry for what we've done to you. Sorry for what we've done to you. And he basically told them, be quiet. It's okay. That's love. Don't worry about it. Why? Because what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. That's love. Joseph abided in love. Joseph increased in love. 13 years, I just got to be honest, I probably would have been bitter. I would have grew in bitterness and in hate. And some of us, we have grown in bitterness and in hate because things that have happened in our lives. But God's saying, turn around, 180, turn around, increase in love, abound in love, and love one another that you all may be reached. You see, you can't love. Everybody, until you first learn how to love yourself and how much God loves you, you can't go out to all until you first learn how to love one another within your own assembly. Once you do that, God will open up ample opportunity for spiritual renewal. New things are beginning to happen. New things are beginning to take place, and they may already be happening. You being here today is a sign of we want more. We want more. I always want to give this opportunity and Pastor Von if I can. I just want to give the opportunity to pray for people. Listen, I'll tell you, I'm not a frame of it. I was born and raised in a Pentecostal church. Yeah, I, those tongue-talking, foot stomping people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I love Jesus. This is as simple as that. I don't let it divide me. I love Jesus Christ, him crucified and resurrected. That's it. That's what I want. But I want to take the opportunity to pray for some of you. It's just not one. I spent an hour. A little less than that. Yeah, if you could play, I, I just want, I want, I want, I want, I want you to respond to what the Lord's saying. How is God asking you to increase in your love? How is he, young people, how was God asking you to increase in your love that people at your schools will be reached? You know what? Cause I'll tell you a quick story here. That was a girl I was in Minnesota just a few days ago and I was preaching. She was your age. She was your age. The next, the Sunday, that Sunday I was preaching, she was getting, she came to church and she never comes to church on the wind, on the Sunday. She just comes on youth nights. And this day this girl said she felt a strong impression to come to church. And I was preaching, I was the other time, I was preaching Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you His hope is, is here for you, open your arms Open your heart to him, his arms are open Why? He, he's calling you to come to him And I, he's not just saying that To sinners, he's saying that even to us He wants us to come closer Closer And I was giving an altar call on this young girl She just came up, she just came up She's crying, out. I noticed her from afar And later on I found out, I talked to the pastor I said, tell me about this young girl She's got a great call on her life Tell me about her. He says, well, this is this and this is that. He says, but I really want to tell you this. He said, last night she had about three different prescriptions in her hand. And she contemplated of taking her life. She had the pills in her hand. She had them open and she was getting ready to swallow all this medication. Because she didn't want to live anymore." You know, young people, there are people in your school that don't want to live anymore. And you have the very hope that's in you, the hope of glory, the hope of Jesus Christ that all God is asking you to do is touch. That's it. Men at work, men on your job, you don't have a clue. The burden that's up on men's shoulders, that you have the ability and the capacity to just touch them and lift it. women into work in your schools whatever your workplace the marketplace the influence listen god is in you evangelism isn't hard you have to be willing and the reason why people aren't willing you know what? i'll just be so honest here it's because the love of god is not truly in their heart I told God I tell this story and every time I tell it I start crying Lord help me Jesus but I lost a good friend of mine he was 16 years old and I'll never forget that night when I held him in my hands on the basketball court the game that we loved so much and I cried I cried I cried cried. come back Chris come back come back come back come back never did come back that night We buried him a week later. But I told God, I'm going to tell the world who you are. The world. by radio, TV, television, social media, however you would allow me to do it, I'm going to tell them about you because they mean that much to you. That boy, that man, that girl, they mean that much to God. But is His love in your heart? Are you abiding in Him? Is His love overflowing within you so that people can see Him? Come on, church, we got to be honest. Today I want you to respond to that. Some of you may need a refilling of God's love. Some of you may need another touch of God's love. I just want to just create a small presence of the altar time Rob with mine because he can come in too. But I just want you to respond. It's God calling you? He's calling you to increase. He's calling you to abound in your love toward him. He's calling you church. He's calling you. He's saying awaken. He's saying arise. He's saying be active in O'Fallon. Let the people know that Jesus is here. Not Liberty Christian, but that Jesus is here. Why is he here? Because he's in me. What is God saying to you today? I just invite you at this time to stand with me. Stand with me. And I just want to take an opportunity. It won't be long. I spent five minutes. I just want to take an opportunity to pray for some somebody. You know, I told you earlier, let God do a breaking in your heart. Let God, let God, let God break you. Some people don't want to be broken. You can just make your way down to the altar this time if you want to pray. Some people don't want to be broken for God. Would you hard, callous? Would you would you stiff? Jesus was broken. John 12, 24 says, unless a grain of wheat dies, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, then it can't produce the fruit. Guess what, church? If you're a seed, guess what's in you? Some people look at me and say, I'm only a seed. You're not just a seed, you're a plant. That plant is in the seed, but you just can't see it yet. Love is the very thing that's going to grow it. What is God saying to you today? Who's God asking you to reach? Who's God asking you to love? Who's God asking you to extend your hand to? Come on, I just invite you. If that's you, let God just touch you right now. Let God feel you. Let God have it. Let let you and God have an encounter, a supernatural encounter with God in his presence. Thank you. Just cry out to Him. That's all it is. I'm going to just pray. Father, I just thank you. Those who are willing to be broken, even if you're in your seat, if you're not able, if you're willing to be broken, let me tell you something when the treasure of God is in you, listen, when you're broken, it flows out of you. It flows out of you. Do you want to be broken for God? Do you want to be used by God? Because Matthew 5 and 6 says, He fills those who are hungry thirsty. Are you thirsty to increase, to abound in love? Lord, I just thank you right now for my brothers and my sisters, Lord. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the, the heart that you're doing, that you're transforming in this brother. Thank you, Lord God, for just breaking us today, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, just filling us, Lord, overwhelming us with your love, showing us the people that you have for us to reach, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you're doing, God, all that you're going to do, all that you're doing in this church, in leadership, in the lay people. God, I pray that you would just continue to break them. Lord, show us the people that are in our homes. Show us the people that are in our community. Show us the people, God, that you want us to reach. Show us how to increase in love. Show us how to abound in love. Show us, God, break us today that your love would overflow through us. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. You said if we would ask for wisdom, you would not withhold it from us, but you would give it to us liberally. God, we thank you for wisdom to reach our community, to reach our spouses, to reach our family, to reach our friends. God, we thank you for your power of your spirit that is in us that would fill us that would fill us with your glory Lord you are in us Christ the hope of glory you are in us you are in us thank you father oh thank you oh thank you thank you thank you Lord you for breaking us touch these young people god they're the next generation help their hearts to be broken help their hearts to submit to their leaders and to be trained and equipped that they would reach the next generation that they would train those to reach the next generation for jesus that they would have the words of Jesus on their mouth. Crying out to Zion. Telling the world that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. That Jesus Christ loves us unconditionally. Touch our young people, God. We thank you for what you're doing in us today. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. And we ask you all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor by.